Welcome to Inside Personal Growth Podcast. Deep dive with us as we unlock the secrets to personal development, empowering you to thrive. Here, growth isn't just a goal, it's a journey. Tune in, transform, and take your life to the next level by listening to just one of our podcasts. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison here in Encinitas, California, and joining me from Dallas, Texas, is Mary Ann Weeby Davis. This is her book, The Sales Messenger. But if you look at the little circle, you probably can't see it, but this is the newly revised with six-step bonus section on referrals in it. And Mary Ann has been on the show before. And she's such a kind and generous person. She's actually provided me with some information that I can use while doing some of my sales training. So blessings to you for that. Thank you for that. And I'm going to let our listeners know a little bit more about you. Um, she's the author of this book, and she's the president and founder of Peak Performance Solutions. And you can get to the website at peakperformancesolutions.com. Uh, her company is committed to move individuals to action through training and advanced learning. And it's in communication skills. It's in sales and sales training. She's internationally recognized sales and management consultant and trainer. And she's helped uh, an international blue chip company's list of clients that you can actually see at her website. So you can just go to her website and you'll see them scrolling across the website. Um, and the bottom line results is her dynamic leadership and expertise. So again, go to www.peakperformancesolutions.com. Uh, there you can learn more about them. And if you put a forward slash Mary hyphen Ann hyphen Davis, you can learn more about Mary Ann herself. Well, it's always a pleasure having you on. And it's a pleasure having any author on who's really at the core level speaking about how do we improve our communications? How do we be more human with other humans. You know, I think in our world today, it's always on, it's always fast, we're always moving, and that's a challenge. Can you tell the listeners a bit about your background? What inspired you to write the first book and now the revised book? And what's different between kind of the two of them that you wanted people to take the time to actually get this new revised book out? Well, thank you, Greg. Um, and how this gets started. So actually, next year, I'm going to age myself audience. So next year celebrates the 30th year of my sales and management training company. Prior to that, I had a background in life insurance, where I was a very successful career. And that's where I learned the principles of persuasive human laws of communication. And once I started doing sales training, as time went on, in those early years of this business, I realized it was a lost art. It wasn't taught anymore. And um, people might say sell value over price or say build rapport, but they never gave the concrete steps as how. So I saw the need for these principles that you and I learned so many years ago, but I also saw a need for sales coaching. And so the book 
really in its first iteration, it is designed as a workbook where you can self-coach yourself. The newly revised was just some minor updates. And quite frankly, the newest revision just came out this year. And that is actually what you had in your hand. It's now in Spanish. Our clients are global. We've had requests. We have a multi-level marketing company out of Mexico who was really struggling, looking for some ways to bring sales into their downline. So it is uh, now in Spanish. And with that said, what's going to be different as we were translating it, we realized one of the main characters was a little outdated. In 2010, he was selling, um, it was called See Me Now, was his company, virtual, uh, you know, meeting man, meeting systems and software. So I am actually working now on a new book from his perspective. So well, a long answer there, but I hope that. Helped. No, 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 it's not. I mean, I think, look, you approach your book from the fundamentals. And I I think those fundamentals, whether it was Dale Carnegie sales training course, you know, you and I come from the same background. Most of my listeners know I spent years in life insurance business and I had a big agency. And it's interesting what you learn there. You know, you learn a lot about people, but you learn a lot about selling, but you also learn a lot about prospecting you know, mm-hmm. and how to prospect and what's the best ways and the techniques. And your your book really addresses so many fundamental, important things. But I love the way you start the book off. You're telling this story about a networking group. You were wondering whether or not it was worth going because I sat in your same seat as I read that, like, wow, there were so many networking groups I went to. And I was like, man, this is just a waste of time because no one's ever giving me any leads because I'm this lone life insurance guy that no one wants to give any leads to because <laughs> it's like sicking your dog on somebody, right? <laughs> and and then this George Meacham, a uh, sales coach, offered to coach three of you from the networking group. And what I found interesting was is that he did it for free, but he had an expectation agreement. And I think fundamentally at any level, when somebody shows up with your life and says, guys, sign here, this is what you'll get from me and this is what I'll give to you, there's a fundamental there that just kind of like, wow, how refreshing, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that, what you learned from George, what the other members learned as well? And I'm almost certain this is what launched you in many of the things that you do, because his advice was phenomenal. Well, it shows me that it makes me feel good that you really do believe that that is a true story. And that networking group and everything in the book, even the characters, is a compilation of people I have met, experiences I have had. And so George Melchin is actually a man, God rest his soul, named Jor Melchin. Jor Mulchin was my general agent in the life insurance industry some years ago. And when I came into insurance, I moved to Boston with nothing, $500, a car that I couldn't afford after a few months, one navy blue suit, and a little portable black and white TV. And I was going to fall back on my skills of being a waitress or bartender uh, to bring in extra money while selling insurance. And when he heard me say that, he was like, no, you're not going to be talking to people by, about their finances and then you serving them drinks on weekends. It's You just do what I tell you to do and you will be successful. 
And I listened as did those agents in my office and all of us. Greg, within my first full year of business and every year after, I and the others produced at Million Dollar Roundtable, for those in insurance know what that is, consecutively every year. We were the number one agency almost every year in the whole company. And we were inducted to the Hall of Fame for our company, et cetera. So I was blessed with a manager, a leader, a coach who becomes George in the book, taking these three characters through the sales process. But it is based on him. The lessons he gave me, you are correct. It's not only how I have helped my life in business and what's lets this business turn the corner to 30 years. So many personal relationships. It's all based on just knowing how to talk to people in a way that opens them up, that they trust you, that they confide in you, and you don't go into an argument with them when they are views are different than yours. You know how to manage those objections. Well, you know, we used to talk about in Dale Carnegie, because my uh, mentor he literally just passed away. The person that was um, my sales manager when I first started, um, his name was Grant Benning. And about two weeks ago, he passed away. It was 95. So sorry. 95. He had a good long life. Um, but like your manager, he was like rock solid with me. It was interesting the kind of people in that time that they had as managers running offices and how rock solid they were and you could depend on them you could ask them any question you could talk to them Mm -hmm. about personal stuff and it's so important to have a springboard like that you know a sounding board um and so talk with us because one of the things that people that enter any business in is their time management you work your plan and you plan your work and you do your time blocking and you had different in the book you know the red the yellow the green, the signals. And, you know, I have people today, even still, that are asking me about this strategy of just kind of time blocking. And, okay, so maybe people out there have already heard this, but you can never hear it enough um, from two people that have used it successfully. Speak to the listeners and the importance of that and what George taught you guys. Well, I do believe in color coding my time. And that's what I've always learned. Uh, There was another uh, great mentors that I learned from called uh, Gary Kinder. There's another man named uh, Mickey Straub out there that that's all he teaches as well as Mark LeBlanc is managing your time and activity. So chapter one is dedicated to it because left on my own, I am just a doer. So number one is really learning how to plan not just your activities, but plan for them. Use your time wisely. So the color coding, and I'm using it now almost 40 years later, if not 40 years later, I personally use two colors of green. Green is making money. Light green is leading to money. Um, And then the color that's not in the book is personal, like when I go for a haircut or a dentist appointment or just personal stuff. So um, I do use two more colors that are outlined in the book. And here's what I'll say. If for any given period of time, let's say three weeks, no more than four, if any other color is outweighing the green, I'm going out of business. So if I can look at my calendar and if today in December or January doesn't have any green on it, I better get some light green activities on there or I'm 
going out of business. And this strategy has allowed me to survive. Okay, going to age myself, listeners, something called Black Monday in the 80s, (laughs) 9-11, the pandemic. And I really have come out of the pandemic strong because as much as the world shut down, and I was home, I forced myself, forced myself to do some light green activities all throughout the pandemic. It started turning into some short webinar, dark green, and literally came out of the pandemic extremely strong. So if for me, if any other colors outweighing the green, I'm going out of business. And that's been my motivator. Well, the colors are real important. I think the colors that you mention in the book are probably the ones you want to have because green is for go, right? Um, yep. You've got you and and yellow is the time you spend doing personal work. Um, so I what it I don't think it matters what color. It re- really matters is what that color means to you. Um, and and as long as you know there's activities that generate results like the light green and the green. Those are the one you want to have most of your time in, you know, and and your sales manager taught you. And when I was in Dale Carnegie, it was attention, interest, conviction, desire, close. Right. Yes. And and that was what we called the sales burger. And I used to teach that sales course. And you call this your sales process. Can you speak with the listeners about the sales process and the art of engagement, as well as the pain problem? Right. The remedy we used yes. to call it. The the Ben Franklin close, the yep. the reasons for going forward versus the reasons not, and the remedy, which is part of the sales process. Speak speak with them because this book is honestly it's a thin little book. Look, you can read this in probably an hour and a half, but it's packed full of fundamentals that I think salespeople forget. Thank you. It is on audio. And you asked what the difference is between when you and I met and uh, did the podcast in 2010. Those were the terms I used. Well, then just you have to find some ways for people to engage because, you know, our attention spans lately with everything coming at us. Um, So I just turned it into five C's, but it's the same as what you just mentioned. And the original book used that terminology. So I changed it into number one, you got to connect. Whether it's, you know, in a magazine ad, I got to stop you in your tracks or I got to build that rapport. Um, The second one is create interest. But I'll add a caveat while being interesting because oftentimes salespeople can be a little boring. And the third one is not just create a presentation, but it's about creating a compelling presentation. And... um, the desire, I call it the conclusion. And I just wanted five C's and conclude it. Tie your presentation with a bow. Help them digest it. It's a 30-second or less summary of what you just told them all that stuff is going to do. Without that desire, without that bow, you're giving them too much to think about. And the last C is the close. And that should be the absolute easiest part of the sale. If you've done the other four steps correct, you know, in my case, you're following all the C's, but um, it, yes, again, uh, when somebody says gaining somebody's interest or getting their attention and creating desire, all of those are precursors to that close, right? And um, sometimes salespeople get ahead of themselves 
uh, thinking that they've got an opportunity to slide in the close. We used to call them trial closes, right? Because you would yeah. you would trial close and see and where it was. Um, sure. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think what what is so important here is sales personal relationships is really about building and maintaining a relationship. Uh, you know, in a lot of big sales, it takes a long time. You know, you can work on a sale for a year in some really big sales. Um, I had a woman on here that was a head of sales for uh, Microsoft. And some of the things they were selling were in excess of $100 million, yes. right? And she was managing teams of people that were attempting to keep the engagement, keep the process moving forward for a very large sale. Can you talk to the listeners? What are some of the key strategies you recommend for building a strong relationship and lasting connections with clients and customers until they actually see the sale? Because a lot of people will, uh, as you know, uh, in our industry going way back, which you probably remember, we used to call them China eggs. And the managers used to ask, well, how long are you going to hang on to that China egg before you let it go? Meaning it's going to break, right? And I think a lot of salespeople will hang on to a relationship thinking that something's going to manifest, but you really do have to determine when. Yes, Um, that is a really great point. And um, so one of the things, too, I, I do want to mention is I believe that the sale happens between step one and two, connecting with the process. That's sales 101. People buy because they like you. Step two, create interest by being interesting. That's where the trust comes in. So the way that I look at step one and two in the process, it is where you should be spending most of your time. And I call it this dance and really be able to uncover their needs and their wants, but at the same time, building rapport, finding out what their problems and pain are, what is truly keeping them up at night. And so now, There are sales processes back in the original days of uh, insurance. It's a one-call close, we call it. You sat down, you made your presentation, they bought or they didn't. But we've applied these techniques that you're seeing to long-term sales. We have clients that have used and still use our techniques for selling rail cars, which is an extremely long-term sale. Uh, Large donors, so we've applied it to nonprofit not only for the small donors, but for those million-dollar donors. Those are long-term. So what do you do in between? Um, It's step one and step two. Be interesting. Don't just stop by to visit. The book even says visitor. Nobody has time to visit. That's what our grandparents did. And so bring your customers, your prospects, something of value. Drop them an article of interest. Stop by and maybe drop off a box of something or mail them a box of something. Send them something of value. But if I could say anything to listeners, forget about yourself completely. Mm. Focus on them. What's important to them? Greg, there's a client, it was from years ago, and then slowly they just kind of worked their way. We wrote their sales training. They started doing train the trainers and and all that. But I still, there was not a lot of new business uh, coming in from them. 
I kept in touch with them. I just would drop them articles, invite them to webinars for free, kept in front of them. It took about seven years. And today they are truly one of my largest clients. Uh, there's another one where I last year I got ghosted. Doesn't happen very often. I do have a high closing ratio. One didn't go through. I was ghosted. I know that new term now it took me a while to figure out what that one meant, but I was ghosted and out of the blue, I got a call two weeks ago with an apology saying things got crazy in their work. But what was I doing in between? I was liking this woman's posts on Facebook. I was commenting. I was dropping her things of value. Even though I didn't hear from her, out of the blue, she called me with an apology, and I now have an engagement to do DISC uh, training and team building on no- in November with them. So I think it's just, you know, forget about yourself, forget about the sale, and just stay in touch with people. Well, in your slides, you talk about complimenting. I think it's so important that. The, the sincerity of a compliment is so important, regardless of whether or not you're getting the sale or not, right? Um, you, you can, in sales, I say you can't fake it. You have to be real and you have to be upfront and real with people. And the reason this show exists is I think more importantly, I'm going to get to this is my art of asking questions. Um, you know, why is it so important for salespeople to become great at questioning? Because if there was anybody that questioned, I've asked you probably eight, seven or eight questions now in the course of the time we've been on. Um, I find the more that I ask questions and the more people are willing to listen, they'll answer with a very genuine and sincere answer. And then what comes from that is the follow-on question. Did I hear you correctly? Right? And the closer you get to understanding what someone's saying, I mean, that's marriage counseling 101. Wife says to the husband, well, let me reframe that, right? Let me reframe that question. Is that the what, what I really heard? So talk about questioning, talk about reframing questions and how you would advise somebody out there today who's either new in sales or seasoned. Okay, here's here's an easy one. Number one, when you're moving between step one and step two, this is where you begin in a conversational way doing your uncovering needs. You can call it fact, find, discovery, whatever you want to call it. Anytime you're getting ready to enter into a series of questions, number one, get permission. So we teach the transitional phrase question. My purpose at this time is to get your answers to a few questions. Do you mind if I ask them? You see, because if I go into the questioning mode, by the time I get to question number four or five, if I didn't get permission, they're going to shut down. They're going to feel interrogated. That eliminates it. It diffuses it. So if I could give you any advice out there, be sure you're getting permission to before you enter into a series of questions. Um, I know that a lot of places teach open-ended and closed-ended questions. That's great. We do, though, teach five levels of questioning. So while they are open-ended and they are closed-ended, we also teach this art of reciprocity and questioning, giving them credit for their intelligence. Don't assume they don't know anything. And psychologists do say there's words that resonate with people. 
that say, I respect your opinion, and the words would include, ask them their opinion, their experience, their advice, their help, um, their beliefs, find out what really they believe to be true. And then the thought provokers are like, could it happen that? Has it ever? Do you know anyone that? So really ask some thought provoking because the research does show that people are more inclined to make a change, make a decision, or buy a product if they can internalize it in their mind. Sales 101, selling is not telling. And the other level we teach kind of like smokes out the dominant buying motive. We call them magic questions, which involve the five senses. I also think when you're asking those questions, you're actually helping paint what we used to call a word picture in their mind, right? Yes. Um, And we used to have one question that I remember was always a good one for me. And I think for the salespeople out there, you would probably agree after you hear it. You would say, if there was a way that I could show you how you could, whatever it is, save a million dollars, you know, yes. cover your children and wife, should something happen to you, you would not want to know about it, wouldn't you? I think the point you would want to know about it, wouldn't you? Now, you were talking about a closed in question. There's no way I can say no to that. Now I could if I was stupid, but I'm not going to say I'm not going to say no to yes. that, right? So I always found those questions to be indicators that somebody was paying attention and they could actually visualize something, yes. right? They could visualize. So that's it. Now this brings me to making compelling presentations. You speak about outlining the key features and benefits. Uh, most salespeople know this is part of the process, but for some reason, they seem to forget to remind their clients of these benefits and features. Um, why do you believe this is so? Because I've seen this happen so many times. It's like they're in a hurry. Um, even if you have to circle back and revisit it, I think it's more important. It all goes back to I will spend, and it could be in a long-term sale of mine. It could be in relationship building. It could be when I'm sitting next to somebody on a plane. Uh, To me, your sale and everything about what's going to make the presentation, the desire or the conclusion and the close easier is how much time you spend in step one or two. What I find is people do not spend enough time in one or two. Either the person feels they're being interrogated, so the salesperson feels they need to rush, or quite frankly, salespeople, I see them get too anxious and want to just get to the presentation way too fast. Mm -hmm. So if we could calm down and just spend time in one or two You see, people don't buy your benefits. They don't care about your benefits. What they care is how those benefits, what they mean to them and how they will benefit to them. How will they make my life easier or reduce my pain? Well, if I don't know enough about that prospect, what keeps them up at night? What challenges, what do they believe to be true about the product and service I'm trying to do or offer them? Well, then, in fact, the odds are it's going to be blah, blah, blah. So the 
better job I can do, step one or two, I'm not just backing up with a fact, with another fact. I'm saying what that means to you and the real benefit to you or what that means to you. For example, and I paint that word picture of something they told me in the earlier spot. So to me, that is a template. The presentation is easy. Step one and two is the hardest because you need to be able to manage objections, concerns, complaints in step one and two versus waiting for them to come later. So if I were to give salespeople out there any other advice as well is people making just business presentations, selling yourself on an interview, manage, be prepared. And there are transitional statements in the book that help you do this. May Be prepared to manage. First of all, seek out by reframing questions and asking more. Seek out those objections, concerns, complaints in step one and two. So by the time I get to the presentation, it's here it is. Here's what it means to you. Let me wrap it with a bow, conclude it. Here's the next step. To me, the sale becomes very easy. The presentation should be the easiest part. Well, the facts and benefits, I think that's what you're referring for. But, you know, so getting real, um, one of the biggest fears that anyone has is rejection. And one of the challenges people have is building resilience to rejection. Um, could you share some tips with salespeople there on really how to bounce back from rejection? I know when we were in the insurance business, especially life insurance, if you weren't able to have thick skin and take rejection, you you probably didn't make it to the million dollar round table. Okay. Yes. Uh, because you are going to get plenty of rejection. Uh, and talk with them about a positive mindset. How do they overcome? this because if you tell somebody, hey, you're going to be in sales and they go, oh, I don't even like the word sales. I'm not a salesman. But I think if you reframe it and say that you're helping people uh, find something that's going to solve their pain or their problem and you're the solution man, right? Uh, yes. Or woman, that that's the most important thing. And it helps them to kind of overcome the rejection because rejection is going to be part of it. So speak about rejection, positive mindset, and how people can, what are some tips they can uh, get from you to overcome that? Thank you. And Greg, I'm going to speak to um, some others that may be in our audience today. Number one, I do believe everyone sells. The way I describe it is persuading people to your idea, your product, or your service. I really, in my heart, believe everyone sells. And if you're not selling your kid, somebody else probably is. And I'd rather have them buying into my values, my ideas than some kid down the hall. So with that said, there are a lot of job seekers out there. And we've written articles. I've spoken to a lot of people in job and transition. And they don't realize that so much of what they're having to do now is sell themselves. So whether you're in sales, you're in job transition, or you're looking for that you know, promotion or wherever you're at in your career, how do you keep that positive mindset is, I like to say, turn off the news. It's negative. I do to this day, and in the last chapter in the book about is about the positive mindset, I do believe in feeding my brain with positive stuff, whether it's positive affirmations have pulled me out of many a slumps, and I have had them, by the way. So positive affirmations, 
positive musics. Uh, in 1980-something, after Jor Mulchin passed, I was asked to be a keynote speaker at our company. First female ever. It was a big deal. And I wasn't selling. I lost my office. I went to working in the basement of my home, which was a beautiful basement. We had those in Boston. And, uh, you know, literally. And um they, they told me I wasn't going to be the speaker when September came around. I said, don't worry, I'll be there. And I put on just music that just inspired me to get up every day. And I did a whole year's worth of production from September to December. And so really find your song, find your affirmations. And I will also say, get brilliant at the basics. There are a lot of great podcasts right here on your channel, on your program. There's a lot of great authors. Get brilliant at the basics. I'm not the only one who has these techniques. Dan Pink has a great book, um, and it's called, um, what, um, what's Dan Pink's book now all of a sudden? To Sell is Human. Yeah, that book, that book, Bob Berg, he's got some wonderful books, Jeffrey Gittimer. I mean, there are so many out there and you'll find none of us are teaching different things. We're all teaching the same message. We go about it. I just happen to go about it by the memorization of transitional statements that take you from one spot in the presentation to another seamlessly. And so I focus on that language, but all of us are saying the, so be, just be, become hungry for those who have gone before you, have done it, who've you know gotten through slumps, because it's probably out there. Um, but oh, if you're is. taking too many no's, yep, go ahead. Well, no, I say it is. You're absolutely right. And people are getting no's. But, you know, uh, with the advent of obviously CRMs have been around since the early 80s. Uh, I go back to telemagic days, all the way to things like HubSpot. But we have Technology and this digital age has really transformed the way salespeople work. Um, and this question is really around not the not anything negative about the transformation, but the messaging. How can people adapt to the changes and remain successful with the barrage of information? If you said, "Oh, we're going to do a drip campaign," we're going to do three or four emails on this person because we're trying to get attention. We're trying to get interest, mm -hmm. right? And let's face it, if you're not using that in this world today, you're probably not making it anywhere uh, because most people are using it unless you're in the really, really high-end sales, right? Uh, so tell us a little bit about that, how you use it, what you tell salespeople about it, and how you can help our listeners uh, work with it more effectively. And that is an area where I'm, I'm, I know I have a growth area, but if I were to give you some tips, it isn't just about look at me and just I'm posting. Put some things of value, articles of value, PDF is something that your target audience would find of value. Become a subject matter expert in the field that you play in. And so I think if you can just stay visible, but do it in the way where you're not just look at me, look at me and be giving something of value. The other thing I find now, Greg, too, is, um, you know, I've, I've 
gone through the technology age where, you know, we're before everything was in person. And now one of the things I ask my client, what's the best way to communicate with you? So I don't overuse their text, but I have some clients who will tell me, hey, if you really need me, just text me. So ask your clients, hey, what's the best way to communicate with you? We also know that they're slammed on a Monday morning. They're just crazy busy. So if you're reaching out on a Monday, the odds are you're email, your proposal, whatever, it's going to go down. So I try to hold back and really not send important communications till I get till either late Monday or Tuesday during the week. Good advice. And I think, you know, your advice regarding social media, there's so many ways that you can be an influencer. Uh, You can influence by the post you make, by the posts you comment on. So people, other Mm -hmm. people see those posts you comment on. And I think it's so important that salespeople understand how to uh, marry this technology successfully into their career, um, because there are many salespeople, and especially in the real estate industry, who have really taken up just being a social media influencer to get that. And real estate's one of those. Um, You know, your book covers lessons for sales success. We know that. But We know with sales success, we also can have business and personal life successes. Um, We also can have challenges because sometimes when you've sold a lot and made a lot of money, uh, your interest goes in other areas and you get distracted. How can you help people understand these lessons and apply them more importantly kind of to their sales career? Because sales and I say personal growth go hand in hand. And and I believe this is true for all of it. As a matter of fact, so much of my work today is outside of sales training. It was so many of the principles we teach in management and leadership is all about human communication. But if I were to give the listeners a couple of tips, it's I say selling is not telling. And this is for your personal life, too. If you're telling your kids, don't hang around with those kids, it's going to make them want to hang around with them more. So that art of asking questions in a way that opens people up to trust you and get vulnerable is critical. And I also like to say, be brilliant at the basics. If you were to meet a professional baseball player and they said, well, I don't go to spring training, I'm too good for that. Well, they'd probably be kicked off the team. And it to me, if a professional salesperson isn't keeping up their skills, getting keeping brilliant at the bay, I learned so much from people who do what I do. Still, I'm like, oh, I never knew to not to use that word. So really getting brilliant at these fundamentals of human laws of communication. They have stood the test of time. What is taught in that book is from the days of uh, Socrates, some call it the Socratic method of selling. I mean, this stuff is not new. They used to teach it to us, but it's just kind of gone away from professional development in the workplace. So I think the lessons here can be applied to your personal life, your family life, your business life, and in so many aspects. So I hope you'll find value in it. And by yeah, the way, the book is on audio, Greg, too. I well, just we'll make that. certain <laughs> when we put the link up to Amazon that we make the link to the audio version. There's a Kindle version and there, there's paperback Audible. version as yep. well. Yep. Now, 
as we wrap this up, uh, obviously there's lots of lessons. I love the stories that you tell. Uh, I was reading that really thinking that was you. So you, you got, you caught me. Um, what is one or two takeaways and pieces of advice you'd like listeners to remember from the sales messenger uh, as they pursue a career in sales or some new level of success in sales as a result of applying the fundamentals that you teach inside the sales messenger, um, which you and I both know, if you were to list the, I think you were talking about a second go communication and right in your home state uh, is Brene Brown about authenticity. Yes. And I always say to people, you know, you don't need to be afraid if you're going to be authentic, uh, you're going to have this authenticity. The other thing is, is that autonomy uh, to be able to do what you need to do in sales, which is what they teach you in life insurance selling. Hey, nobody was really putting a finger on top of you. They actually wanted you to have the autonomy to build your own kind of entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You were an entrepreneur is what you were in that business. And most people that were successful understood that. You remember the days of Dan Sullivan and the Dan Sullivan oh, training yes. that came out of it. And so what I say today is if you were to give people a couple of takeaways about selling anything and what your book teaches, what would those two or three things be? There's no such thing as winging it when it comes to communicating. If you're trying to persuade people to your ideas, your products or service to hire you, there's no such thing as winging it. That's why companies hire corporate communications department. And when there's a crisis, they coach them on what to say. So when it comes to leadership, when it comes to moving people from point A to B, you're trying to get them to change. That's no difference than leading people through change. So even right now, currently working with a leadership group and we're building in um, storytelling so that they can, with the teams below them, get people to buy into the vision and the direction that they're going in. So there is a structure, there's a method. And so, like I said, there's no such thing as winging it. And so just practice, get brilliant at the basics. And if you still are losing, if, if you're still getting rejection, then it's something in the process. If you're not getting enough appointments, it might be in your messaging to get that appointment. If you're getting through the presentation and people aren't buying, well, it's either something in step two or step three that's missing. So just get brilliant at those the basics so that you can begin to self-coach. And I do believe that's what the sales messenger helps people do is become your own coach. Well, if there were some key words, one of the things that you have to have is tenacity, perseverance, authenticity, genuine communication, the ability to listen well, the ability to question effectively, and the ability to build the sales process. Um, and if I was to tell somebody today, those would be my bits of advice as, as I, we kind of uh, sum up our uh, podcast here is, you know, Always stay authentic, always be persistent, yes. always be tenacious, find a way in the door. Um, I remember just, I'll give you a really 
for the listeners a quick example. I don't know if it's going to happen, but you have to try. So um, Arnold Schwarzenegger wrote a book called uh, Be Useful, and it just came out. And he's all over the place. So I was listening to a podcast from Tim Ferriss, and Schwarzenegger was on. Yesterday, I said, I'm going to be tenacious. I wrote through to the PR agency at Penguin Books about, hey, I'd like to have Arnold on the show to talk about his book, uh, Be Useful. And I haven't heard back yet, but you'll never know if you don't put it out there. Okay. So regardless of everything else that's there, if you look at most of the successful people, they were willing to take a risk. You're never to, you're never beyond the willingness to take that risk because you're not going to look stupid. You're basically just putting it out there. So don't worry about looking stupid uh, and keep a smile on your face when you did it. Because if you get rejected, there's always another. (laughs) There's always another one. Next. (laughs) Next. Exactly. Well, Marianne, a pleasure having you on for all my listeners. Go get a copy of the sales messenger. Uh, 10 Lessons of Sales Success in Your Business and Personal Life. This is the newly revised edition. As she said, there's an audio book of it as well. That's why, because it's thin, you can do an audio book and listen to that in probably an hour and 15 minutes or so. Blessings to you. Thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth. And thanks for sharing your wisdom and knowledge. And again, the website, okay, Peak Performance Solutions, right? I want to make sure I get that mm-hmm. right. Dot com. Dot yep. com. And that's where you're going to learn out about all of her courses and things she's doing. We'll put a link to Amazon for the book and the audiobook and for the Kindle version. So thanks so much, Marianne. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.